The Last Word with Matt Cooper. So let's get to the choices of the best fiction of 2023 that you might like if you haven't already read them for yourself as a Christmas gift or to give to someone you love. And we're delighted that we're joined again this year by two of our favourite authors, Adele Coffey and Kevin Power, who did the selection for us last year as well. Great to see you both. Thank you very much. And Adele, let's start with your book of the year. And this is one that I know is a favourite of many, many people. She has been a guest as well on the programme. What did you love so much about Liz New? Strange Sally Diamond. Well, it was just such an unusual book to start with. And it starts with this woman who I think everybody knows the sort of beginning of the book by now because it's kind of the only part that you can talk about without giving the book away. So it's this woman who is quite unusual in her behaviours. And her father says at the start of the book, look, when I die, just put me out the bins. And obviously she takes that literally and puts them out and gets into a bit of trouble for it. But the real book is about, the real story is about her childhood, her background, which is quite mysterious and very, very dark. And I suppose the point Liz Nugent is trying to explore is, you know, nature versus nurture. You know, is it genetic or is it all to do with our upbringing? How, what kind of person we become? And it's just like the most deeply satisfying psychological exploration of that idea. Um, and there's loads of moments in this book that are just horrifying. I screamed out loud twice and I'm not a dramatic person, Matt. Well, you are. <laughs> <laughs> I've known you too long, Adele. You are. <laughs> okay, that's a great choice to start. Kevin Parr, your first choice is one that many people felt should have been on the Booker shortlist that may actually have been Sebastian Barry's best book, All God's Time. Is it that good? I think it is. I think it is his best book. And then this is, you know, to say that it's Sebastian Barry's best book is really to say something. This is a, a writer who's over the last 20 years has had a kind of um, late career renaissance. He has just produced novel after novel, often excavating the history of his own family, often excavating the history of Ireland. I think this is by far the best of them. It's, a, it's an extraordinary book and a harrowing book as well. Um, it's a book about an, a retired uh, guardist detective, Tom Kettle, who lives in a in a kind of lean-to out in um, out in Hoth, and uh, one night he's visited by two uh, yeah, active uh, detectives who are investigating a cold case, or seem to be. They don't really want to tell him too much about it, and it becomes gradually clear that it's a case that he was deeply involved in. It may indeed be the story of his life, and and from that, Sebastian Barry spins this extraordinary, poetic, funny, moving. Uh, shattering and harrowing novel about Ireland in the 20th century what you know the the the, the legacy of the catholic church the legacy of abuse of children it's an extraordinary book okay i actually have it beside my bed haven't started it yet that's going to be one of my christmas books as is our old sunday tribune colleague adele paul lynch's prophet song the winner of the booker this year tell us about it I was delighted to see him win, actually, but I obviously would have been happy for any of the Irish long listees to have won that prize because, again, it's such an amazing year for Irish fiction. Um, Paul's book, it's his fifth novel, it's called Prophet Song, and it's kind of an examination of how we all feel like we're in this sort of comfortable unassailable democracy and bad stuff happens in faraway places. And I suppose it's an exploration exploration of how you know, it's that's not the case at all. How easily our um, civilization, our democracy, could um, 
you know, disintegrate into a totalitarian state and how we as people could find ourselves in the same situation as we see so many people in, having to travel, having to take huge risks with their lives and their children's lives to find safety. So it's very much a book of our times. It's a dark read, but it's written in Paul's very lyrical, descriptive language, which people will be familiar with if they've read any of his other books. And I think it was definitely a worthy winner of the Booker Prize. Claire Kilroy was with us earlier in the year for the Culture Club. You've enjoyed, Kevin, her book, Soldier Sailor. I don't know if enjoyed is quite the word, actually. Um, With all apologies to Claire. This this is a novel. It's a short novel. It's incredibly intense. It's incredibly uh, intelligently, beautifully written. It's very funny. Um, But it's about, it's a kind of horror story about early motherhood. It's about what happens when you come home with your first child and there you are, you're alone in the house and here's this tiny creature whom you would do anything for, but it's also completely dependent on you and you can't get away. <laughs> it's, it's the parts people don't tell you about. Yeah, that's it. It's it's kind of a, it's an unusual novel in that it it is it, it, it's unusually frank about how difficult it is. Um, but there's also there's a couple of sequences that will stay with you forever. There's one where the child goes missing in IKEA, and it's just what it's it, it shouldn't be funny. It shouldn't be a funny sequence, but it absolutely is. It it, it just it describes so brilliantly those moments of terror, total panic, and terror where you which every parent has probably gone through at some stage with at least one of their children. And probably all of them. Probably all of them, yeah. yeah. We once left our kid at a, a, a shopping, uh, at a checkout in Gorey um, for about, it was only for about 30 seconds, but we went absolutely spare. And he was just sitting there in his buggy and he was fine. But it's a novel that sees the humour in that, but also under underlying that, it's this incredible novel about what it means to be a parent, what it means to, to raise a child. Adele, another Booker Longlist book was Elaine Feeney's How to Build a Boat. Tell us about it. Yeah, I loved this because it was just so full of emotion, I felt. It was really a a really full of heart book. Um, A story about a teacher called Tess whose marriage is falling apart and she's having a pretty awful time. And uh, another teacher called Tyg, who's a kind of mysterious, very attractive man from the islands who also teaches in this very Catholic school and how they come together to help this young guy called Jamie. He's 13. He's in first year. His mother died when he was a baby, I think in childbirth, as far as I remember. And he's sort of longing to reconnect with his mother who he never knew. And it's about how they all come together to sort of heal each other, to use a very cliched kind of um, idea. But uh, it really, it's just all about that. It's about community. It's about family. It's about love and, and kind of how we look after each other. And it's no surprise that this kind of came out of the lockdown period. Um, I, I just loved this. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a beautiful read. That's Elaine Feeney's How to Build a Boat. Now, Nicole Flattery was also with us for the Culture Club during the year. Her debut novel, Nothing Special. Remind us about that, Kevin. So this is maybe an unusual first novel for a young Irish writer to produce. It's set in New York in the late 1960s and it's about a young woman named May, who uh, has a sort of complicated relationship with her mother and who drifts away from her family and ends up working as a typist in Andy Warhol's factory, um, where she's tasked with transcribing these endless audio tapes that Warhol is planning to turn into a kind of experimental novel. Um, it's it, it, To describe it like that is kind of to, to, to misdescribe it, because it's not really about Warhol. He has a couple of walk-on kind of moments, um, which are quite memorable, but really this is a novel about growing up. It's about being 
a teenage girl. It's about being a, 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 trying to find your way in a world that is kind of dominated by men and how men look at things and how men organise things. It's also kind of about the internet. I'm listening to other people recorded kind of not entirely with their knowledge or consent is a version of looking at kind of Twitter or Instagram or something. You know, it's a, it, it's a, it's a novel that does a lot of different things very subtly and it's a very quick, fun read as well. Okay. Your next one is from, at this stage, well, can I say one of the veterans of Irish fiction? Well, she's been honoured for the Lifetime Achievement Award at the Unpost Irish Book Awards, although I suspect she has many more novels still to write. Anne Enright's The Wren, The Wren. What did you make of this, Adele? Yeah, it's kind of what um, Kevin was saying there about Sebastian Barry. I think this is her best novel yet, which is really saying something when you say that about Anne Enright. Um, this book is called The Wren, The Wren. It is... Uh, on the surface, a story of a famous Irish poet called Phil and um, it's about his, um, how his sort of abuse and his uh, creative, um, his identity, how, how he sort of uses that to, how he puts that first, essentially, before human beings, before loved ones, before family, before anyone. Um, but also it's about how that sort of repeats itself down through the generations. So we've got Nell, who's the young girl set in contemporary time, and her mother Carmel, um, who was Phil's daughter. And it's just a brilliant kind of um, way of showing the, the trauma, which is to use kind of too big a word, I think, but it is trauma, really. Um, but what I really love about this is it's so contemporary in the Nell story. It really feels very modern, but also... Uh, every second line, Anne Enright is making a quip or a joke. She's so darkly funny. She's so mischievous, kind of wicked sense of humour, which makes this, it's such a dark story in many ways, um, but it also makes this a really enjoyable read. So I don't, I kind of don't know how she does that. I think that's the genius of Anne Enright. She makes you laugh and also it's also dark, but uh, I think this is her best yet. Kevin, you've gone from Mike McCormack's This Plague of Souls. Yeah, Mike McCormick wrote um, Solar Bones, which came out in, in 2016, and which is, if I had to choose a single Irish novel of the 21st century to, to be, to be the, the one, the best, I think that's it. It's an extraordinary book. And this is the follow-up, his first novel since then. It's a short novel. It's a very strange novel. It's got traces of Samuel Beckett in there, it's, mm -hmm. but it's very distinctively Mike's own. It's about a man called Neelan about whom we know very little. He's been released from prison. We don't know why. He goes back to the family home. There's nobody there. He's alone. He gets strange phone calls from someone who seems to know all about his life. What is going on? And it's a novel. It's not a novel that's going to resolve in any, you know, pat thrillerish kind of way. But it does bring out some beautiful moods and beautiful descriptions of uh, the inner landscapes, the Irish landscape, and what it means to be alive kind of during the age of COVID. It's very much a COVID novel, what, what to do when you're alone with your own head. <laughs> okay. You've gone for something much lighter as your next choice, uh, Adele. Imer McLeish and Sarah Breen with their final in the Ashling series, Ashling Ever After. Yeah, I chose this because I love it and I think it's very, very clever. But I also think it's so representative of a certain kind of Irish woman. And of course, we know that Ashling has been described as the Irish every woman. And she kind of is that, you know, it, it, the Irish every woman from outside of the pale, essentially, because she is up from the country and she's working in Dublin. In this one, book five, she's working in New York and living in New York. But you know, she's no time for notions. Um, she loves a good wake. Uh, she 
knows how many Weight Watchers points are in everything. So, like, this is a phenomenal success. I think they've sold something like 450,000 um, copies of the Ashing series, which is an incredible achievement for Irish uh, books and authors. For me, this one is all about home and family and friends. And it's a really, it's a lovely, warm hearted, very funny, you know, jokes on every page. Great Christmas book. Michael McGee, Close to Home. This is one I don't think I'm aware of, Kevin. Tell us why you've selected it. Michael McGee is a young Belfast writer um, and this is his first novel. Uh, it won the Rooney Prize this year, the Rooney Prize for Irish Literature, and I think it was just voted Waterstone's Book of the Year as well. It's a it's an autobiographical book, that's why it's called Close to Home. He's spoken in interviews really about how, how, how directly this novel replicates some of his own experiences. He grew up in the same area of Belfast that Bobby Sands grew up in. Um, he grew up working class, kind of on the edge of poverty. Um, it's a book about, and, and, and yet it's a book about getting out of that and then turning to look back. It's about a young man, Sean, who wants to write, becomes a writer, or just about becomes a writer, turns to look back at what he's come from. It's a novel about Belfast now, which means, you know, a novel about a city that's really in the middle of a kind of transition identity crisis. Um, it's very, very beautifully written. It's very perceptive about what it means to be a man right now, which is something that not too many novels are, are writing about at the moment. Idal, your next choice. Claire Keegan, but it's actually more of a short story than a novel, isn't it, so late in the day? It is a short story, but such is Claire Keegan's popularity now that I think anything she writes is going to be published and released as a book. This first appeared in The New Yorker last year, I think, um, and it was published by Faber um, this year. Um it's an amazing story. You can listen to it on The New Yorker, actually. Claire Keegan reads it herself, which is always a, a wonderful thing to hear the author reading it themselves. It's about this guy called Cahill, kind of, you know, civil servant working on Marion Square. And the story just follows him through his day as he, he leaves work and it's all very downbeat. Um, we eventually get to the heart of the story, which is about a relationship. But as always with Claire Keegan, she says so much about Irish culture and um, Irish society and also our history. So this guy, Cahill, um, you know, he, his his actions are quite misogynistic, but I don't even know if he's aware of it. And I think Claire Keegan is pointing out how his upbringing and his culture um, may have fed into that. But um, it's just, as always with Claire Keegan, like that makes it all sound very sort of, um, here's some themes and topics, but actually it's just an amazing human story that drags you in and doesn't let you go until you get to the end. Um, so I would absolutely uh, recommend this. I think if I was asked who my favourite Irish writer is at the moment, I'd be hard pressed to find someone I love more than Claire Keegan's writing. Okay, Kevin, tell us about Penelope Unbound by Mary Morrissey. So this is a novel published by Banshee Press, which is a, a, a very new Irish publisher. They published a literary journal called Banshee, where they've um, published a lot of really, really interesting work. This is, I think, the first novel that they've published. And it's a kind of alternate history, not of James Joyce, but of Nora Barnacle. And it, it, it kind of proposes, well, what would happen to Nora if she hadn't married Joyce and become his kind of, you know, helper, enabler, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, as he wrote Ulysses and Finnegan's Wake. And it proposes an alternative life for Nora in which he goes off to Europe and uh, becomes uh, a servant and a teacher of English in the house of, um, of a, a, a rich a rich Italian man. And, you know, what happens? And then later in life, she, she succeeds. She ends up owning Finn's Hotel, which is just down at the end of Nassau Street there, which is where she first met Joyce in, uh, in real life. 
Um, and then later on in the in the book and in her life, Joyce comes back. Maybe I won't spoil what has happened to Joyce in the absence of Nora, but it's a it's a beautifully written book. It's a really it's a really unusual novel. John Banville gave it a, a called it a masterpiece in the Guardian. I don't think he's far wrong. I think it's a really interesting book that hasn't uh, so far got the attention it deserves. Really, really good book. John Boyne's fourteenth adult novel is Water. What did you make of it, Adele? Yeah, I enjoyed it. It's um, it's kind of I don't know if it's a novella. It's it's longer than Claire Keegan's story. It's uh, probably about one hundred and sixty or seventy pages long. But what's interesting about this it is the first in a quartet of planned novels. Um, so this one's called Water, and then there's Earth, Air, and Fire, and they're all due to follow at six monthly intervals over the next year and a half or so. And they're all dealing with um, sexual abuse in some form. So Water is told from the point of view of this woman called Vanessa, and she has fled to an island off the west coast of Ireland to sort of escape the infamy and notoriety of uh, her husband. He's been involved in a scandal. So it's about her sort of like questioning what her role was in that. Did she know about it? Could she have done more? Um, so, and, and the characters in this book, there's loads of characters on the island which offer a lot of like relief and also some action as well because a lot of what happens to Vanessa is in her head. But um, the the following in the following um, books in the series will feature some of the characters from this one, and they'll you know reappear at, in varying sort of shapes in terms of their prominence. The next book, Earth, I think, is out of May, and I'm already looking forward to reading it. I kind of feel like this is a box set that I really want to binge. Okay. Um, but yeah, the next one's about a gay footballer caught up in a high-profile rape trial. So it's, uh, each book will take sort of different aspect of sexual abuse. Okay. We're running short on time, so I'm going to take one non-Irish book from each of you. We've been speaking. There's been what a year for Irish writing, Kevin. When you yeah. consider that you only actually have a couple of books from outside of Ireland to talk about. Yeah, it's been an absolutely incredible year for Irish fiction. I mean, the latest in a series of incredible years for Irish fiction. I don't know what we're all doing out here, but whatever we're doing, it's... We're writing about it. Okay, will you pick one? I know you had two, but will you pick one as your best non-Irish fiction book of the year? I'm going to pick Cahokia Jazz by Francis Bufford, who's an English writer. This is this is kind of my book of the year. With all respect to Irish writers and the great year Irish writing, so this is the book I enjoyed the most this year on a sheer kind of reading pleasure level. It's an again a kind of alternate history thriller. It's set in 1922 in a city that never existed. It's called Cahokia. It's west of the Mississippi, and it's run predominantly by Native Americans. And uh, a murder occurs. A black detective is uh, assigned to investigate it, and it leads him through a kind of strange conspiracy. It's an absolutely gripping book and beautifully written from start to finish. Absolutely my, my the most enjoyable novel I read this year. Okay, that's a hell of a recommendation. I'm going to go for that. So, And your pick of the non-Irish writers is Adele. Yeah, I liked Sebastian Fox, The Seventh Son. Now, I can take or leave Sebastian Fox. Some books of his I absolutely adore and some books I just threw against the wall. But this one was really fascinating because he takes... Uh, it's set in the sort of near future and in this IVF clinic that do something very unethical and very experimental. And it follows the child that comes from that experiment, let's say, um, over, say, 50 years. And it's just such a kind of compelling theory or idea and it's a brilliant one for book clubs because there's so much to discuss and it gets quite wacky at times as well but I couldn't put this book down and I just think that's you know that's a sign of he's doing something right and I, I just think it's a great um, a great book to discuss for sure. Seventh Son by Sebastian Vox. We put the entire list up on our website at todayfm.com on the last word page 
Idal Coffee, Kevin Parft, again, thank you so much for being with us and giving us tremendous books to read over the Christmas period or to give us gifts. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today and-